Welcome to Emergo Radio, a place where a brain-first lifestyle matters, a place of impact and inspiration, a place where your hosts, Dave Kenny and Susan Kenny, coach you to rise above. Hi, friends, and welcome to Emergo Radio. My name is Dave Kenny. Emergo Radio is a place where we explore how a brain-first approach to health, recovery, and well-being is a proven game changer, because if you change your brain, you change your life. I'm excited to have you join me today, and so now, let's rise above. Today's session, we get to talk about, it's not about 12 steps. Recovery is a brain thing. This is a subject that's really, I'm, I'm quite passionate about, and I've been studying a lot about in, in part of my PhD, which I'm in the midst of right now. Uh, it focuses on this, and really the first thing before we get into exploring 12-step programs and AA programs and maybe some options for people, the first thing we've got to do is talk about recovery and addictions. So we really focus at Emergo Recovery, we focus on recovery, not addiction. And you may think that that's a, a play on words, but it's not. It, it really is uh, emblematic of what you want in your life. I understand people suffer from addictions and, and substance use disorders, and it is absolutely um, rips families apart and rips people apart. And we really focus on the solution, which is a recovery, versus the problem, which is the addiction. And so before we go deep into this, we need to start with a commonality, a foundation. What is an addiction? How is it defined? Today's science and, and neuroscience and psychology and psychiatry and, and social sciences is we have a better understanding of all of these things. And yet when you get to the world of addiction, there's no one definition. And so the National Institute on Drug Abuse, and so I'm going to cite a few very, very uh, legitimate sources who work in this world, but the National Institute on Drug Abuse, NIDA, they classify addiction as a complex brain disorder and mental illness. Addiction is a complex brain disorder and mental illness. And brain disorder are the two words that really pop. And I want to, uh, uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. And another, another source, the American Association of Addiction Medicine, ASAM. They're the largest professional association of medical uh, and addiction clinicians in North America, certainly in the United States. The, the CSAM is the Canadian sister. I happen to be, for full disclosure, I'm a member of both of those, including uh, the American Association of Addiction Medicine. And ASAM defines it, addiction is a primary chronic disease of brain reward motivation, memory, and circuitry. Addiction is a primary chronic disease of brain reward, motivation, memory, and circuitry. So that now they've introduced, NIDA said brain disorder, ASEM says brain disease, and it talks about reward and dopamine and motivation and memory and all those things in the circuitry of the brain. Then you get to the APA, the American Psychiatric Association, they have actually, in the most recent DSM, the Diagnostic Statistic Manual, if you don't know, that's the Bible for psychiatry. 
and the DSM-5 came out a few years ago, and they reclassified addictions, and they don't actually use that anymore in their in their model, and they reclassified it as substance use disorder, or SUD. So they, they're now saying it's a substance use disorder and, and not an addiction, but it, it certainly is just a different way for them to phrase it. It fits in their model of approach of disorders, um, you know, whether that's um, ADHD, um, depression, anxiety, now substance use disorder. So then you get into this debate. Well, we've all heard that addictions is a disease, but now you're hearing some other phrases, disorder. So you can get into a real deep debate for a weekend on on those two. And I want to step out of that and step to a bigger level, which the whether, whether you think it's a disease or a disorder, every professional group right now worldwide relates it to one thing. There's one commonality, and that's brain. And why don't you think about that for a minute? It's critical here before we get into 12-step programs and, and what we can, what's the best opportunity to help people. But the one thing, whether it's a disease, it's related to brain or a disorder, it's related to the brain. It's not the liver. It's not the lungs. It's not the heart. It's not a character defect. And so brain drives behavior. So now I'm going to talk about psychology, psychiatry, and neuroscience. They all validate this, that behavior is driven by a brain, and behavior is choice. What do I choose to do in my life? Where do I choose to hang out? What people do I want in my life? What, what things do I do? Do I go running or swimming, or do I smoke something? Those are choices, and, that is, and brain drives behavior. And this is a real critical foundation to begin our conversation with because it, it, it may change the perception of how we move forward to get help. So if we have a brain issue or brain problem, let's look at that and let's support, physiologically support the brain. And so Abraham Maslow and Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs talks about in, in the self-actualized life, which is whatever one can be, one must be. And that's what we all want to strive towards. And that's where real genuine happiness comes from. But the foundation part of that is physiological. That's the bottom layer. He's got a kind of a pyramid, if you've never seen it. And the bottom foundation part of that pyramid or triangle is physiological. And so we've got to begin with looking at our uh, the function of our brain and help it. If it's regardless, if it's a brain disease or brain disorder, it is brain related. And now, Let's look at the foundation of what is, you know, the AA movement, NA, which is Narcotics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, and all other 12-step groups. Uh, first of all, I want to share that I am in the world of human development and helping people. And if people find help, find relief uh, by going to a 12-step group, good on them. And I really mean that. That's fantastic. But I want to also begin to explore this with the, near, the newest findings in neuroscience and create some awareness and some options for people. So AA was founded by um, a couple people, but one of them was Bill Wilson, Bill W. He's kind of credited as being the founder, but there was a, a group of a couple gentlemen in, uh, back in 1935 in Akron, Ohio. And they had this problem and others had a problem. And, and at the time, there was nothing for people who with alcoholism, let alone other, other addiction issues. But alcoholism was the one prevalent one in, third, in the 30s. And they came from a group called the Oxford Group. 
And the Oxford group is a 20th or was a 20th century Christian group. And with that, that's where this evolution of the 12-step group and a higher power comes from. Comes from the beginning and their roots, which they knew is a Christian group. So they didn't name it God, but they named that as a higher power. So there's a, a heavy spiritual context to this. And in about 1939, about four years into working with men, and, and specifically they were working with men in hospitals and they were having some success. And uh, that grew from one group in Akron, Ohio, originally to three groups. I, I remember one's in New York and in Ohio, and I forget what the third group was. Uh, but they were they were working with these groups and it began to grow because they were getting some People were getting uh, some help and some support through a fellowship, and that's a critical word. By 1939, they developed what is now known as the 12 Steps, and they wrote down these, these 12 steps that everybody follows. And so the number one step in a 12-step group over whatever that is, shopping, gambling, is I am powerless over alcohol. I am powerless over cocaine. I am powerless over gambling. And also the 12-step movement also talks about a moral failing. And remember, this is 1935, 1939, pre-1940, and they were talking about a character flower, or moral failing. And yet today in science, we're talking about a brain function issue. So these two worlds begin to collide and, and you know, here we are in 2019, and these worlds and these new th these thoughts don't actually fit fully right now. So Bill W., the, again, the founder, did did get sober and found and and never drank again, and uh, he as well as many many others, hundreds of thousands of others. But Bill, even though he wasn't drinking, was still struggling in life. This is you're going to look this up. This is and he has his own papers online, so it's direct from him. Uh, not not from an independent or not from a third party source, but you can look it up. But he really struggled with uh, depression and anxiety and related it back to alcohol and drinking. One would argue which one was first. Don't know. That's never been identified. But it is identified that he was still struggling with, although he wasn't drinking, with a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety and struggling in his life. In 1960 comes along and Bill W. ends up at a psychology conference because he kept looking for more help. By the way, he did start AA and he started all this in about about 1945. He he stepped away and he had created a board for AA, an international board, a lot of doctors. And he was one of the ones that appointed this board, its international board. And, he, and it just grew too big for him. And, uh, and so they created this board. But now we are in 1960. You know, about uh, about 15 years later, and he's still struggling himself, and he goes to the psychology conference in New York City, meets two doctors there, Dr. Abram Hoffer out of Weyburn, Saskatchewan, and Dr. Humphrey Osmond. And they're presenting some new learning about, and specifically about niacin, and niacin is vitamin B3. And really talked about mega dosing and talked about how when the brain is short on certain vitamins, that the brain itself and, and they were talking about brain therapy. Okay, well that kind of fits with our with our new understanding of what addictions are, starting to fit. But they talked about brain therapy using B3 and helping people over depression. So Bill 
learned more about it, met with them, and and he did some mega dosing, some massive dosing, kind of like a wheelbarrow full, and got got vitamin B three, and in fourteen days he reports his depression from from decades long was gone, and he didn't have it anymore. So then he 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 went wow this is unbelievable and and met with the doctors and so Bill W said well this is great I've got a a, a test group of one so that's kind of empty and meaningless and he even knew that so he went back into the hospitals where there's some you know the alcoholic struggling people were and he introduced it and he ended up working with about sixty. 65 66 individuals and they did uh, and they and he helped them with uh, the large doses of b3 about one third of that group in 30 days were depression free and and felt better than ever uh, without drinking and without the depression and the other the next third it took about 90 days and then they reported that they were feeling amazing and the, the depression had lifted and they didn't have the cravings for drinking. And about one third of the people still reported that they had uh, depression, even though they weren't drinking any longer. And so you get about a, a two thirds, about 66% success rate by using vitamin B3. So he's got this documented and he's all excited and he goes to the AA board and uh, this is about 19, shortly after 1960. And so it's within the year of uh, his meeting the, the two doctors, uh, Hoffer and Osmond. And he goes to the board and presents his findings. This is unbelievable. And, and using the power of our network and, and all of our local groups, AA groups, if we introduce this, we can really help people. And he was literally thrown out of the room. And he was one of the founders. And this was his handpicked board and they rejected it and they rejected this vitamin b3 brain therapy mainly as it's been written and i've studied is that uh, the most of them were doctors at the time and said this is not a medical process you're not a medical doctor this and no and it never happened and and uh, bill w for 11 years uh, worked to make this more known and more accepted. Uh, he passed away in 1971 from pneumonia, so it wasn't related. But he does document, and his wife documents uh, post his life, that he was depression-free for the rest of his life. And that takes us to Dr. Linus Pauling, who's kind of the father of orthomolecular therapy. Linus Pauling is the father of orthomolecular therapy. And orthomolecular therapy is same area. It's mega dosing of vitamins, uh, minerals, and amino acids now. And we actually at Emergo Recovery do use this um, uh, therapy treatment as well, in addition to many other things. But it, in short, it's vitamin IV therapy. It's amazing stuff. It's getting the right fuel in our body. Uh, we, and because a lot of times digestion and absorption are compromised, using IV goes right into the system so we don't lose any of the nutrition from supplement tablets. And tablets are like a little tiny spoonful, and the, vi the vitamin IV is like a wheelbarrow full. And so it really helps the liver, it helps the brain, um, and, it, and it brings energy, Helps with, can help with sleep, and it can, it can help, uh, certainly if you leverage B3 as well, in feeling uh, better and getting relief from depression type stuff. So going back to AA, all reports, uh, any legitimate report on the efficacy of, of an AA fellowship group any report at all, any it's around 10, 12% success rate. 
where people, when they start a year later, still are not drinking. That's just one year later. You're talking 10 or 12%. When you also look at the studies where people decide on their own at home to quit drinking, you're at 10 or 12%. And I slow down to let that sink in. Again, I fully support if you get help from a group like AA, NA, please go and do that. Great. And yet I offer that the science, the evidence that is published in the world is that it's no greater in the efficacy and effectiveness than it is by people who stay at home and say no more for whatever reason. They leave college and go, I can't, I can't have a family this way. I can't keep my job this way. And it, it's an interesting um, evidence-based number that's out there in the world. And uh, I certainly have learned over, over the decade that we've worked with people and that, that people, when they, when they miss the importance of the brain are still struggling. And when we reset the brain, people feel better, make better choices. Remember brain drives behavior. And Part of that is a brain-first approach. So at Emergo Recovery, it's what we've, we've developed as a brain-first approach, approach. We're not the only ones. The Amen Clinics do this. Um, there's also the Broken Brain series. Uh, and there, there are a lot of areas in, in the world, whether it's depression, anxiety, mental health issues, or addiction issues, where people are beginning to understand the power of focusing on neuroplasticity, your brain's ability to rewire, and neuro genesis. And so actualized recovery is what we use here at Emergo Recovery, and it, and it really is a brain-first approach to recovery and wellness. Not a brain only. There's a lot of other dynamics to it, but it is a brain-first approach. So let's talk about the brain specifically and, and scientific studies that have been accepted in the world as legitimate and have been du- and, and um, replicated, and the success rates or fail rates have been also replicated. So there was a there's a long t- term study that holds in the world of addiction about rats, and you put rats in a cage, and you give them two things: water, and another bottle with morphine water. And when and when this test has been done, it's been uh, replicated successfully. That nine out of ten rats become addicted and compulsive, and they end up dying. They end up killing themselves quite quickly as a result of the morphine water. So nine out of ten rats, when they when they're given the option of and the opportunity to drink just water or morphine water, bam, they're on the morphine water. There's our there there it is. Morphine is an addictive product, and don't use morphine. About 1980 comes Bruce Alexander, and Dr. Alexander looked at this study and went, oh, wait a minute, there's a mess here. We don't typically live in an isolated cage. We have a social connection. We have a community. We have friends. We go out and play golf, racquetball, go to theater, whatever that is. So he created Rat Park. And Rat Park had similar things. It had tunnels, and and it was about 200 times the size of the single cage. They had friends. The food was the same, but they, they could play. They, they had great beds to sleep in. They had sex. And in Rat Park, they offered water and morphine water. And only one out of 10 of the rats were compelled to drink the morphine water. Think of that. Nine out of 10 before in an isolated cage. Now in Rat Park, this beautiful social connections, 
one out of 10 uh, became compulsive or maybe addicted, but none of them died. And nine out of 10, when they were isolated, did. That's a mind-blowing concept. So you can you can read a book called Lost Connections from the, Mr. Hari. It's a beautiful book about the importance of connections and our brain and versus substances. So and it is it is a very powerful thing. It's one of the areas that we work on in actualized recovery here at Emergo Recovery. The other ones are biological or physiological. That's the brain and and psychological and positive psychology and coaching and and Maslow's hierarchy of needs, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, spiritual, meaning who you are and your laughter and your smile. And the fourth one are social connections uh, about, uh, you know, who, who we're connected to and the influence of those social connections. And I've just talked about that in Rat Park. And then the fifth area is lifestyle moving forward about living a brain healthy lifestyle. So jumping back into neuroscience, there's a, there's some Dr. Marion Diamond from the 60s, the first person to identify that the brain can change. And she's the first neuroscientist to do this in the 1960s. And she also studied rats. By the way, rats and, uh, have the closest in the animal world to a, to a human brain. So, it's, so that's why rats are used a lot in, in the world of science. And Marion Diamond found that when rats were in an impoverished environment, much like just just alone in a cage and nothing to do and very little connections and handlers weren't touching them, but given food and water, that was it, that they were in a very isolated, impoverished environment, their brains shrank in size. The brains got smaller and functioned more poorly. And then she found, and her team found, that when they put rats in an enriched environment, much like Rat Park that Dr. Alexander did, uh, but when they put them in an enriched environment, again, tunnels and toys and wheels and and uh, sacks and, and all of those social connections, their brain grew. So what do we do when people are struggling with an addiction in our society? We isolate them. And think about what happens with Rat Park. Think about uh, Dr. Alexander's work and Dr. Diamond's work. And when we do that, we are actually doing the reverse of what we need to be doing, which is if, if addictions and substance use are a brain thing, disease or disorder, why aren't we creating an enriched environment to help people make better choices? It's an interesting question. And so that's sometimes why it's really important to intervene with family members and loved ones or even ourselves when we're in a, in a current environment, get to another environment. And that's why uh, places like ours here at Emergo Recovery have been so successful in helping people because it, it is an enriched environment. So we're beginning this new process, not an isolated, impoverished environment. I want to also introduce to you then Instead of, instead of walking in and labeling myself, hi, my name is Fred and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, my name is Sally and I'm a drug addict. There's tremendous shame that comes with that. And I don't know of another thing in this world that, that we would ask somebody to create a label and sit in front of a group and talk and, and, and label themselves in a shame-based label. And it, it, it's so shame-based that it's an anonymous group. That's part of the power of this fellowship is that it's anonymous. We don't, we don't talk about this outside of here, all of that. And yet 
if we believe it to be a brain issue, why don't we treat it with the same dignity that we do somebody with a heart issue or a liver issue or a kidney issue? And that's what we offer is, is the, the dignity behind understanding that trauma and Dr. Gabor Mate writes a lot about this, about trauma and people using something to end suffering and pain, marijuana, alcohol, or, or drugs that are more difficult, or even a behavior, gambling, shopping, that they're doing something or using something to end the suffering and pain. And what is trauma? Trauma in a neurological sense is stress. A traumatic experience can be embedded in a brain and it, it's a stressful experience to the brain and, and stress is an engineering term. Stress is how much load a bridge can handle before it breaks. Same thing from a brain point of view. How much can we handle before we snap or break or things become imbalanced? And that's brain function issues. So when you talk about stress and trauma, and then you and you look at somebody self-medicating or using or doing doing a self-destructive pattern of behavior to end pain. And then the brain is smart. It quickly learns. Hey, that thing we used to do when we we're in high school, when we we're in college last year, that thing we used to do made me feel better. Get me that, despite the consequences. And welcome to an addictive pattern. So smart recovery is a wonderful cognitive behavioral therapy approach, CBT-based approach. Uh, it's also a fellowship. And SMART Recovery is a self-management recovery training. And I encourage you to take a look at it, smartrecovery.org, I believe it is online. And, and the self-management recovery training, there are groups in most every city across North America, but also uh, SMART has a, a very robust online community. There's meetings online all the time. So if you're in an isolated place or if you need some help right away, great resource for you. But it's a science-based approach to recovery. Again, SMART focuses on recovery, not the addiction. And the, the, they have a four-point program, and it's based on cognitive behavioral therapy techniques, CBT. And number one of the four-point program is building and maintaining motivation, which is really critical. I got to build and maintain motivation of why I want to stop using, get sober, stop the self-destructive pattern. The second one is coping with urges. What do I do? How do I handle that? Because your brain has been trained for these urges and you get relief instantly when you smoke, drink, do something. So how do you cope and handle urges in a more positive manner? Managing thoughts, feelings, and behavior. It's the fourth step. So a thought drives the feeling and a feeling drives the behavior, which is the choice. Welcome to CBT. That the first thing is the thought, and you've got to begin to learn how to manage a thought. And a thought is just a thought. Oh, I could go here. I could go to the bar and do this. It's a thought. It brings up a feeling, brings up a behavior. So if you, if you can change that thought, you're going to change the behavior. And the fourth part is living a balanced, positive lifestyle. And here at Emergo Recovery, we talk about living a brain-healthy lifestyle. So it's a, smart recovery is a wonderful tool that's also available for people as well. 
And um, from a brain point of view, if you if you want to talk about, there's so much technology that's available and imagery stuff, and the the Amen clinics uh, use uh, some great imagery. They use SPECT imaging, and if you want to see what a brain looks like on cocaine, marijuana, alcohol, cigarettes, or other things, uh, the SPECT images are on their website at um, amenclinics.com. And you can see that that uh, wine is not a health food for a brain. Marijuana actually does long-term damage to brain function, and it's terrible for a brain. Cigarettes are too. Alcohol is too. There's not one of. They're not healthy for a brain. And so, seeing these images helps us begin to understand more that an addictive pattern or a substance use is a brain thing, and and you'll begin to see that right in front of you. And it's a powerful thing to be able to see a brain in, in a very dysfunction state. There's also a company in in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona called Saraset, C-E-R-E-S-E-T, Saraset.com. And Saraset, it's about cerebellum reset. Saraset is a non-invasive kind of brain reset. If you talk about stress and trauma, Saraset is, they use EEGs, but it's non-invasive and it's a brain echo technology it's in Scottsdale, Arizona. They have franchises all across the United States. And Lee Gertis there has done, and his team done phenomenal work for the past almost 15 years now. And it's a powerful story. And Saraset is a wonderful tool and neurotechnology to help a brain reset and let go of stress and sleep and cravings and all of those things. So I, I offer that to people as well to begin to look at. So, in looking at the science of an addiction, understanding the definition of addiction being a brain disease or a brain disorder, and that brain drives behavior, I offer to you to think about using the newest sciences in, in understanding that motivational interviewing is very powerful for helping people to understand why we make the choices that we make. To use compassion and understand that stress and trauma and pain and suffering are really what's underneath all of this. There's a great book from a Harvard professor, Dr. Lance Dodes, and it's called The Sober Truth. And it really begins to, to shine the light on a science-based, evidence-based approach and understanding about addictions versus the AA model, which was pre-science. And, and it is not to demean the work of AA and all the people there, but it was created pre-neuroscience and, and pre-understanding about the brain and brain patterns. And so to, to begin to shift our understanding to that brain drives behavior, and when a brain's dysfunctioned, it does some dysfunctional things. And yet through neuroplasticity, the ability for you, for you and your loved one to change how their brain functions, neurogenesis, the ability to regrow brain cells. Yes, you can regrow them. There's hope. And I offer this to you and your family and your loved ones to continue your journey towards recovery using an evidence-based approach or a science-based approach to get lasting relief and live a positive life. So here at Emergle Radio, uh, we talk about rising above, and that's what today's topic is, is how can you rise above in your life? And so today, about rising above, and I make a commitment today in my life to rise above, to integrate 
my yoga practice today, and I look forward to doing that. It's one of the things that I do to maintain my own personal health and wellness. I love hot yoga, by the way. It's amazing. Talk about a great workout. So I love a, a hot yoga button. About 101 degrees, high humidity. Man, you get a great sweat. But it's a beautiful thing for me and my spirit, and it works well for me. So that's what I'm going to commit to, to rise above today. And what will you commit to? So my name is Dave Kenny, and it's been an absolute honor to be with you here. If you're interested in learning more, you can find us at emergorecovery.com, and that's E-M-E-R-G-O recovery.com. Also, you can call or text us at 249-877-8776. I wish you all the best in your journey of well-being and hope that you find something today to rise above. Thanks for hanging out with me. In gratitude, we thank you for joining us on Emergo Radio, a place where you rise above with your hosts, Dave Kenny and Susan Kenny. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen and learn. Want more? You can reach us at emergoradio.com. That's E-M-E-R-G-O radio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.